tell you, when you talk about the DNA or something, it's something that's inherently a part of the whole that makes you who and what you are. And I tell you, the first aspect of that that I want to talk about is that the first aspect of our DNA is that we are a word church. We're a church based upon the Bible. Uh, you know, McDonald's has its French fries. That's kind of what they're known for, right? That's what you go to the Golden Arches for, is those golden brown, crispy French fries, right? Well, I believe that Cornerstone's French fries, so to speak, is the teaching of the Word. Amen. I tell you, has it changed your life? Amen. Where would we be without the Word? Amen. Reality is you can't even get born again without the Word. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What if we'd never heard? What if we never knew what God wanted from us or what he provided for us? I tell you, the teaching of the word is first and foremost here at Cornerstone Word of Life Church. We try never to teach opinions. We're teaching the word of God. You're not ever going to come in here and hear a poem and a Reader's Digest story. Because as lovely as those things are, that's not enough to sustain you through your week. We intend and we have raised up an army of men and women of God who know who they are, who know whose they are, who knows what the Word of God says. And all that comes from the teaching of the Word. Cornerstone Word of Life Church has always been a church of the Word. And they will always be a church of the Word. Now listen, that's not all we are, because if that's all we are, then we're going to dry up. We are a lot more, and you're going to hear about that yet this morning. But I tell you, the word is always first and foremost. Where would we be without the word? 2 Timothy 3.15. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He said, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. You can't even get born again without the word. Amen. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means God breathed. All scripture is breathed out by the spirit of God. Woo! There, there's, uh, there's the breath of God on this word. This is not a storybook. This is not a history book. This is something that's alive and sharp and can change your life because it's God breathed. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Aren't you glad when the word of God corrects you? I tell you, it's like going to the chiropractor and getting that good adjustment. You know, uh, I wouldn't watching that show sometimes on Wednesday nights, they call it crack addict. Uh, but it's, it's the crack, you know, crack as in the chiropractor, you know, crack, crack, crack. And honestly, sometimes I'm not sure how I personally feel about it. Uh, but I, I love, they're like, ah. Oh. How many of you know that's what the word of God will do for you? Put you back in alignment. Set things right the way they ought to be. For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. James 1.22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. 
For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, this word, and continues therein, he not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. We're told to be a doer of the word. Well, how many of you know you can't do what you've not heard or what you don't know or what you don't understand? We have to know this word. Thank God. Thank God somebody translated it into English. I tell you, as you turn the pages, you can almost smell the fires from the martyrs' fires who, who died to bring this word to us. If all your Bible ever does is sit on your nightstand, you need to dust that sucker off and dig in there because the words of life are in here. And people paid a high price to get this to us. Literally their own lives. Starting with Jesus. Romans, 1, 20, or Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you do that? Through the word. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. John 8, 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You can't be free if you don't know this word. As long as Cornerstone Word of Life Church is in existence, we're going to be a church first and primarily of the word. And I'll tell you, you get great word here on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, Healing School, AIM, Ignite. You get good word. And we're blessed to get good word. Pastor and I were on vacation, and, and, and I, I wanted to go try out this church that he was familiar with. And uh, as we were leaving our hotel room, I said, oh, honey, I have to go back. I forgot my Bible. And he said, you won't need it. I said, Mark Garver, well, we're going to church. What do you mean I'm not going to need my Bible? You just stop it. I just thought, you know, he's being sour grapes, didn't want to get up, didn't, you know, whatever. Uh, so I went and got my Bible. But you know what? I didn't need it. Song service went on. Minister got up and he said, the sermon today is going to be brother so-and-so uh, who's going to come up and play John Denver songs on the piano. So for 20 minutes, we listened to John Denver songs played on the piano. And then the minister got up and he said, I, I couldn't preach a better message. And I was thinking, dear Lord, you know, Rocky Mountain High, you know what I'm talking about? And no diss to John Denver, but how many of you know John Denver's not going to sustain you when the enemy comes? When he raises his head and tries to attack your body, attack your family, John Denver's songs ain't going to cut it. You need the word. You need the word. And I'll tell you, if you've not been through Bible Institute, you need to go through Bible Institute. It's a compact 
saturation in this word that'll grow you up faster than we could grow you up on Sunday mornings. I tell you, one night of BI is the equivalent of I don't even know how many hours of teaching here because we can focus on one subject and go line upon line upon line. Uh, anyway, uh, Bible Institute, be there, aloha. Another strand of our DNA that I want to talk about is the nations. Mark 16, 15. We're a church that's called to the nations. Pastor Mark and I were each individually called to the nations before God ever called us to pastor. I was ministering in Asia, intended to spend my life there, winning a certain nation which shall remain nameless to the Lord. Uh, that was my goal in life. Pastor Mark was going to go to Brazil and, and, and have a Bible school and, and spend his life ministering to the peoples of Brazil. But God moved us here. He brought us from the nations and put us in this place so that we could put the nations in you. So that we could put the nations in you. So that we can fulfill his word. He said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye. Go ye. Go ye. Go ye. Ye. You're a ye. Go ye. How many of you know go is two-thirds of God? G-O- D, two-thirds two of, go. I tell you, if it was nothing else before this word, that's enough for me. God said go. It's a commandment. He said go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Listen, God said go. He said go. And that ought to be good enough for all of us. It's a commandment. This generation of Christians is responsible for this generation of souls, not just right here, but the whole world's full of souls that need Jesus. And we're responsible for those souls as much as we're responsible for the souls right here. As of last night, the U.S. population was approximately 335 million. The world population over 8 billion. It's 96% of the human beings that God knows intimately, loves dearly, and for which Christ died are located outside of the United States of America. And how shall they hear without a preacher? How can they hear without a preacher? And how can they go unless they're sent? I tell you, this is a sending church. This is a going church because God said so and because we love people the way that he loves people and we're called to the nations as surely as we're called to this area. Amen. Those are the two strands of DNA that I had to talk about. Amen. Glory to God. With third strand of our DNA is regarding prayer. And that's what I'm here to talk to you about today. Amen. This church was birthed out of prayer. Pastor Mark was an itinerant minister uh, 30 years ago, thereabout. And uh, God started dealing with his heart to come here to Alabama, which he thought he was exiled because he did something bad. And he came here to this area and obeyed God and came here, started a church. 
Two years later, uh, Pastor Rhonda uh, was on her way back to India, and the Lord dealt with her to come away and pray for two weeks. And she came through here. Some friends were coming here to minister. And she came through here, and they met one another, appreciated each other, but she's going to the mission field. So she goes away and pray, and the Lord starts dealing with her that her husband is on the way. And so uh, somewhere within that two weeks, he called, and... Here they are today, 28 years later. And they, um, again, this church was birthed out of prayer. He had it in his heart of prayer. She came uh, because of prayer, because God dealt with her and is in the tapestry of this church. You're sitting right in the middle of what prayer produced, the fruit of prayer, because they pray, seek what God uh, wants, and then they do it. Amen. And so that's the heart that they want to put in us is that we, uh, when we have an answer for something, when we're seeking God for something, we get the answer from him and then we go obey what he does he tells us to do hallelujah so um, a lot of pastors don't like praying before their people they say it's private it's just between me and God and uh, but you don't model that to your people and so they model it before us everything we do is as uh, like I said the tapestry of it has prayer within it and so Jesus as the model before his disciples he went to the mountains and pray he went to the beach and prayed and everywhere in between, hallelujah. So you can go to the mountains, you don't like the mountains, you can go to the beach or, or both, praise the Lord. And so he showed us that he prayed privately, but he also prayed openly so much so, they said, Master, teach us to pray. They wanted a prayer life they, like they saw his prayer life. And then he said to them, you are a house of prayer. And so in James 5, 16, it says, the heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man. So we want you to pray individually and not just to get your needs met, but also because we are a body, there are things that corporately when we come together that God wants to get done. If you can move some things individually, uh, it says tremendous, a righteous man can make tremendous power available. How much more two? How much more three? How much more 10? Exponential power is being released when we come together and pray corporately together. Amen? Hallelujah. And so some things in that we see a pattern uh, in the early church of how, what they did when they prayed and said they prayed often. So in Acts chapter 1, 14, it says they all continue with one accord in prayer. Uh, Acts 6, 4 says we will give ourselves continually to prayer. Acts 12, 5 says, but prayer was made without ceasing. That's a lot of prayer. And prayer should be to us like breathing. It should be to us like breathing in and out. It's just part of who we are, talking to him daily, praying in the Holy Ghost, amen? And then another thing that it says about them, their attitude in prayer. It says that they were in one accord. And then uh, in Acts chapter 114, in Acts 2, 40, uh, 2, 42, it says they continued steadfast, so they were faithful in prayer. And then in Acts 4.32, it says that they believed and were of one heart and one mind and one soul. And so while I was reading this and preparing for this, it reminded me of the Tower of Babel. You guys remember that? In Genesis chapter 11, a group of people, and it says the whole world, they were assembled together at one time, and then they spoke the same language. And they decided, we're going to build a city and a tower to God. They decided it was their plan to do this. And they were so much in unity in one accord that it got God's attention. And he said, let us go down there and see what they're doing down there. 
And so he came down and he said uh, in uh, uh, Genesis 11:6, and the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have one language and this, uh, and this they began to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. So they were doing the wrong thing. And they were doing it in unity and one accord, so much so it got God's attention. And so, um, and I remember over in Acts chapter 2, it talks about how the Holy Ghost came down. And so I'm going to contrast the Tower of Babel to the day of Pentecost. And so at the Tower of Babel, they had their own plan. At the, uh, in Acts chapter 2, they were seeking the Lord about his plan about his plans for their life. At the Tower of Babel, unit, they were in unity in one language and one purpose. In the Acts chapter 2, they were in unity, singleness of heart and purpose, and one language was restored. Remember, it says that cloven tongues of fire came down on them and sat on them. Amen? And then it says, uh, talks about at the Tower of Babel that God came down and confused them. Why? Because he didn't like what they were doing. They had their own, devised their own plan, and it was the wrong plan, and it was done in unity. And God said, whatever they imagine, it will not be denied them. And so at the day of Pentecost, he came down and he didn't scatter them. He got down in the midst of them. Amen. So God came down, sat on them, and power was demonstrated in that day. And then it said the people were scattered uh, in the Tower of Babel. But then uh, in Acts, it says it brought increase. They believed. They were baptized. And 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Amen. Why? It all started in prayer. So another part is the results that they got of the pattern that they do in the New Testament. They prayed first. The power came. Signs, wonders, and miracles started happening. And it brought increase to the body. A little further along in Acts, it talks about how 5,000 were added to the church after they prayed. So this was the pattern in the New Testament that God gave Pastor Mark. And he said, if you would do this, you'll grow your church. And it all starts out in prayer. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So how do we facilitate all of this? And just think about it. If at the Tower of Babel, if they were in unity and one accord with one purpose, doing it wrong. And God said nothing will be denied them. If we did it right. And then his power and, and his singleness of heart and unity and one purpose. And we're doing the right thing. We'll have the book of Acts right all over again, right in the midst of us. Amen. Hallelujah. And so uh, we'll have the power of God and God to get the glory and all of that. So how do we facilitate that? Praise the Lord. We have base prayer here as, on Sunday nights in the AIM building at 6 o'clock. So if you're not in Bible Institute, I'm going to do it right this time. Uh, if you're not in Bible Institute, that's a good place for you to be on Sunday nights. And you might say, why Sunday nights? Because pastor prayed, and that's what God said. All right, so Selah. Pause. Think about it and do it. So I'm going to leave you with that one. Praise the Lord. All right, we have prayer groups at 6 o'clock on Sunday nights, and we do have them during the week as well. So you can come and be a part of those. We have early morning prayer at 7 a.m. on Zoom, uh, Monday through 
Thursday. And so you can be a part of that. They have the sign-on information out at the info desk. So if you would like to become a part of us, you can do that. We have Wednesday noon prayer uh, here also in the AIM building. And you can come in person or you can do it online as well through Zoom. We have once a quarter, we have on-the-wall prayer. Uh, we just did one this past Wednesday. Once a quarter, God put that on pastor's heart. That once a, uh, once a quarter, we come together as a corporate body and we pray on the plan of God for CWOL and anything else that he wants us to do in the world while we're available to him. Amen. And then our pastors, because it's part of their DNA, they go away once or twice a year and uh, spend extended times in prayer and get the plan of God for the next year of what's coming up. And the staff do that with them as well at times. So that's how we facilitate it here. And now these are some of the assignments that are on our church very quickly. The assignments that are upon our pastors and are upon this church, the Lord moved them here to bring a move of God to North Alabama. And so uh, part of the Lord told him uh, that the church is not it. What uh, is to house it, and it is a move of God in North Alabama. So that's part of the mandate that's on this church. To teach my people faith, the father of faith that we came up under. He taught people faith. That's why we're here, because he taught us. And it's also part of the DNA of who we are, is to teach our people faith. Because the gospel said, will Jesus, when he would, the Son of Man return, will he find faith? And we want to say here... Yes, he will find faith because you're taught faith. And also that what um, yeah, faith works by? No. Hey, Y'all did that first service too. The other crowd did that. Uh, you get faith by hearing, but your faith works by love. And we have the love walk queen right here who teaches us that. All right. So your faith won't work unless you're walking in love. Amen. And then whenever her class is, you can come get that. Praise the Lord and Bible Institute. Glory to God. All right. And then the nation's Bible schools are part of our mandate. This generation is part of our mandate as well. The generation of the upright is what the Lord said to pastor of this generation to bring a move of God to them so that they will know the move of God in this generation. It's great that Azusa happened. It's great that all those other moves of God happened. But right now here today, God said that they were born for signs and wonders. Amen. So that's part of the DNA of of us. Ministers, uh, part of their mandate is to minister to ministers and pastors and help them in what God's called them to do. The apostolic works, we have a Bible school down in Chile and it's expanding. All of the, the ministry is expanding. They'll tell you more about that a little bit later, but that's part of the assignment that's on this church. And the other one is to prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. Amen. Pastor took a long time talking about our destiny and standing before the judgment seat of Christ. That us going to heaven is not uh, the goal. The goal is the judgment seat of Christ. Our Christianity hangs on the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So a lot of people might say, I like to pray by myself. I like to pray on my own. But I say to you, if you will make yourself available to come, you can move some things dynamically by yourself. But I'm telling you, exponential power will happen when we come together and we pray. Uh, uh, pray out the will and the plan of God. Amen. Amen. It will change your life. Say this after me. I am, I am a, house of prayer. a house of prayer. We are, we are a praying church, church because it's in our DNA. In our DNA. Amen. 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 Hi. <laughs> Good to see y'all. 
We're going to talk about serving and outreach this morning. That's my strands of DNA. We spent a lot of time last week talking about serving God outside of the church. Y'all remember that? <clears throat> Three people, hallelujah. And so this morning we're going to talk about serving inside the church and we're supposed to serve outside the church. I want to start here, John 13, 14, and 15. It says, now that, I, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. The greatest example that the believer can follow is the example of Christ. Amen. Amen. And when you follow the example of Christ, you'll see him serving in two different places. Right here, he's washing the feet of the disciples. I would consider that the house of God because those are the disciples. That is the body. That is the church. And you see Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, serving the church. Also in scriptures, what do we see? We see that the Bible tells us that Jesus went about everywhere. Preaching and teaching and what? Doing good. Healing all that were sick and oppressed with the devil. We also see him multiplying loaves and fishes. We see him meeting people's needs. What is he doing when he's doing that outside of the body of Christ? He's serving people. He's taking care of people. The definition of serve means to meet the needs of. So Jesus went about doing good, or you could say it this way, went about meeting the needs of the people. So we see him serving the body of Christ, we see him serving the house of God, and we see him serving people that are not a part of the house of God that he wants to bring into the fold of the house of God. So that's our example to follow, amen? amen. And so as I was praying about this, it's always good to ask the Lord, give me some fresh revelation, let me see this in a different light to just encourage me on the, the, the topic of serving. And so he showed something to me that I'd never seen it before. I never looked at serving this way that I could remember. If you do look at serving this way, then just ask surprised when I say it. Help me feel good about my revelation. Amen. When I was praying about it, the Lord told me that serving is a form of worship. Now, when you look up the definition of worship, it is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. God, the Trinity, this triune God that we serve is a de deity. Amen. And the Bible or the definition says that worship has expression to it. And so how does the believer express reverence and adoration for the Lord? Well, there's many ways to do that, but one of the ways is by serving. Serving God is worshiping God. Serving God is an act of worship. Luke chapter 4, verse 8, this is Jesus responding to the enemy when he was tempting him. And he said, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I love how Jesus paired the two of those together. You must worship the Lord your God and serve him, showing us that worship towards God is serving God. Yes. You remember over in Exodus chapter 20, right, when God brought them out of Egypt, and I think in Egypt there was something like, it was, this is a big range of number. It was either 1,500 or 15,000 idols, all right? It's somewhere in there. There was a lot of idols in Egypt, but when God brought them out of Egypt in Exodus 20, one of the first things he did was adjust their priorities by saying, you shall not worship any other gods but me alone. I like to say it this way, church, you're either going to worship him or worship something else. You're either going to worship the divine or worship the mundane. What is the mundane? That is earthly. Amen. You have been called to a life of worship, which also means you've been called to this expression of worship, which is serving. You have been called to serve. And there's nobody that is exempt of this. Jesus told us the greatest among you would be your servant. Amen. He said that I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. Dr. King said it this way. Anybody can be great because anybody can serve. 
The entire body of Christ should be serving. I wrote this down. Christians like Jesus aren't called to worship the world, but rather we're called to worship God. And one visible trait of that is serving. We're not called to worship the world. We're called to worship him. And a visible trait of you worshiping God is you serve. Where do you serve? You serve in the body of Christ. You serve at church on Sundays and Wednesdays. And then also you serve outside of the church. Serving people so that God can be glorified. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. It says, dear brothers, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. That's who we're supposed to give ourselves to. We're supposed to to present ourselves a living sacrifice to him. We're supposed to give ourselves to him as an act of worship, and we do that through serving. Verse 2 says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. So we we don't copy their behavior, which lots of times the behavior of the world is me first. You remember the scripture where Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself? Treat your neighbor as yourself? Well, how do we treat self? We like to put self first. Well, when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, he was saying, put your neighbor before yourself. Love your neighbor as you would love yourself. Put them first. Put them above you. Serve them first. And in serving them, you'll get what you need. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not look into your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. I wrote this down. It says Jesus has set us free not only so we can have a good life, but so we can enrich the lives of those around us. Woo, preacher, say that again. I will. Jesus set us free. Not so we could only have a good life now, but so we could enrich the lives of those around us. I want you to think about all the different areas that you can serve here in the body at Cornerstone Word of Life Church. And think about why they're doing it. Do you think that they stand outside in the parking lot when it's raining, when it's snowing? Listen, y'all, it's supposed to be 83 degrees tomorrow and then on Tuesday, 53. That's a 30-degree swing. Hallelujah. So what does that mean? In Alabama, you never know what you're going to get. So when you sign up for the parking lot team, not only are you playing Frogger for two and a half hours, but then you're going to have all sorts of weather and elements. You're either going to be sweating or freezing or somewhere in between. You think they do that because they want to? No, they do that to enrich the lives of others. When it comes to the nursery, you think they want to hear screaming babies for two and a half hours? Lord bless them. Hallelujah. No, they serve in the nursery to take care of the child, but also to enrich the lives of the parents that are sitting in the service. What about the praise and worship team when they come every Monday night to rehearse and to to get to know the song so on Sundays they can give God their best and lead us into the presence of God? Do you think they dedicate that time to learn songs on their own hours, to come every Monday night, to abide by the dress code, to be here early, to stay late, to come to service every time the doors open? Do you think they do that because they want to? No, they do it to enrich the lives of those around them. Friends, this is what happens when you serve. It enriches the lives of the people around you. And we're supposed to do it in the house of God, and we're supposed to do it outside of the house of God. God will lead you to bless people outside of this wall, amen? And when we do it, we're supposed to respond. 
Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have the opportunity to do good, let us do good to all people. So we do good in the church and we do good at Kroger. That single store that you're going to for groceries. Amen. You do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I've heard it this way. The opportunity to do good imposes the obligation to do it. So every time we have an opportunity to serve somebody else, that's not just an opportunity for the believer. We're obligated. Woo, someone catch that this morning. When you have the opportunity to be an usher, so you can drag unwilling people to their chairs, hallelujah, (laughs) right? When you have the opportunity, the Bible says it's not just an opportunity for you, it's an obligation. I'll say it until you say amen. When you have the opportunity, amen, for the believer, it's no longer an opportunity, it's an obligation. I'm obligated to serve God, amen? And so we do this in the church and we do it outside of the church. Listen, our service towards the Lord, presenting ourselves a living sacrifice is not exclusive to Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. You're a living sacrifice everywhere that you go. Why? To bring glory to God. We serve here with ushers and and praise and worship, all these different areas that you can plug into and serve in the body of Christ, but also going out with the outreach team going to places like Bridge Street and singing Christmas carols and witnessing to people in public. It's a powerful thing when the believer witnesses about God, right? And they crucify them flesh so they can actually begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to finish with this scripture out of the Message Bible, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 16. It says, here's another way to put it. You are here to, bring, you are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We are going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father who is in heaven. Now listen to me. We looked at this last week, but remember, God wrote two books to the world. He wrote the Bible, and then he wrote your life. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1-6. through 6. You're an epistle read of all men. The believer reads the Bible, but the world reads you. You serve in the house of God, but you also serve in the world. Why? So everybody will come and give glory to this wonderful Father that we serve. Amen. Glory to God. So the number five and six we're going to look at, the first one is fellowship. And again, you can see these on the wall out there. Everything that we are, you know, I remember when I started this church in November of 1993, I got some advice from some people. A lot of the advice was just decide who you are. Pick who you are. You're going to be a worship church. You're going to be a teaching church. Um, You know, you're going to be a church that emphasizes evangelism. And none of it set well with me. And I wanted to be in all that church. I wanted to be the, like, I grew up, 
near Dairy Queen Brazier. It was right across the street in our house. And they always had this thing, and I still think they have it. It's called the full meal deal. <laughs> and so you get your drink and your sandwich and your fries, and then you get a sundae at the end. That's awesome. It's a full meal deal. And so that is Cornerstone Word of Life Church, is I wanted you, the Holy Ghost wanted you to have the full meal deal. And, you know, um, uh, I think Pastor Rhonda mentioned it, Belinda mentioned it, I'm going to mention it again. You know, when the Lord sent me here, he told me the church wasn't it, and I've kind of gotten away from that some in times. But he said, I sent you here to have a move of God in North Alabama, and the church gives uh, a place for it, for him, the Holy Ghost, to move. And so, uh, but in that, God wants you to have a vital church life. And so I want you to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts 2.42 says this, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the word, and in fellowship. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And so uh, a few years back, the Lord really had me add this. We were away praying and we kept praying out the word koinonia and the word connect. And if you notice, uh, we have connect groups and it starts with K because koinonia starts with K and the Lord very specifically said, don't spell it with a C, spell it with a K. And so koinonia is very important to the Lord. The Bible says that a bad company corrupts good morals. One of the things the Lord wants for you to have is if you look to your left, if you look to your right, don't everybody turn around in the back because nobody will be looking at one another. One time I said, everybody turn around and look at behind you. And, and it didn't work, obviously, because everybody's looking behind them. But around you, these are people. These are good people. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open it up. And those are your people. They're not just my people. Those are your people. And so the Lord wants you to understand that your koinonia, your fellowship should be rich in this place. It's important and I want to tell you why. So fellowship with the Lord. Why, why do we need each other? Um, why is it important that we come together and help one another? Well, the Bible says in the last days that we need to exhort one another to come together. We should assemble ourselves so that we can exhort one another. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. You need someone to sharpen you and really only a good friend. I'm not saying that your best buds are going to be in the room all the time. I'm not saying that you have to go out to dinner with somebody all the time. But you need to come in here understanding that you have a supply of the Spirit. Spirit, not just for the church service, but you have a supply one for another. And it's important to the Lord that you have good quality friends. Why? Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Verse 10, for if they fall. Now, I'm not planning on you falling, but guess what? If you fall. And if, if you fall and you're alone, if you've been around here any time, you know my wild kingdom theory. Right? Uh, as a little boy, I loved to watch this, and now, you know, you can see all kinds of them. But, I, man, I was always rooting for the water buffalo. I was always rooting for that little elk, not elk, gazelle, or whatever that was. And who was coming to uh, steal, kill, and destroy? The lion. And the Bible says that the devil hunts like a roaring lion. So you can take a lot from that and understand, who is that lion looking for? Well, they're looking for the newborn. They're looking for the young. 
And, and listen to me, if you bring people here and they get born again, then I want you to make sure they're here next week. Because yes, we want them to get born again. But the Bible didn't say just get people born again. He told us to disciple them. And you can't be discipled unless you come to church and get in the word. So if you bring somebody, I will say, well, I feel like I'm harassing them. Then harass them. It is for their own good. Get them in the room. Amen. And, and so it's important though. So who else is he? Uh, who else is the lion hunt for? Well, he's always looking to pick off those that are on the edges. So getting in the middle of the herd. What is an edge Christian? Someone who, uh, you know, they're, they're not always where they're supposed to be. God and church are not that important to them. And therefore, fellowship is not that important. But if you get hooked in and you have fellowship one with another, then it, it'll keep you. Because if you ever fall, if you ever fall, you need someone there to pick you up. Galatians says, he that is spiritual ought to restore someone. And if you're not around people who are spiritual, then you're not going to get restored. And then you're going to wander around for three, four, five years, miserable. But if you had some friends, I always say it this way. I heard this from somebody. But everybody needs four crazy friends. And so I don't have four crazy friends. Well, you be a crazy friend and you'll get more than four crazy friends. But everybody needs somebody crazy enough to say, you ought not be doing that. You ought not be looking at that. You ought to be in church. You, 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 know, you need somebody. Because woe to you, the Bible says, if you're alone when you fall. Everybody needs help. And you don't just need it from the pastoral staff. We're here for you. But it is good for you to have friends within this body. Amen. Verse 12. It says, if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So there's all kinds of ways that we provide koinonia. Number one, we have connect groups. We're always looking for more leaders. And those are really small groups. Sometimes three, four, five people, that's fine. Some of them can grow bigger. But connect groups are very important, and we talk about that, um, you know, at the end of uh, every month on, on Connect Sunday. But also our women's ministry, our men's ministry, um, Marriage Matters. Our, our uh, Blaze Youth, our uh, Torch Children, our Ignite Young Adults, um, our Burning Daylight, uh, all those things are Konania. And I know you can't come to everything. I know that. I know you work. I know you have a family. I know you watch football. I know all those things. But the Lord has provided something that he needs you to um, value. He didn't just give me these things for us to have one more thing to do. Amen. I don't need one more thing to do. You don't need one more thing to do. But if it's important to him, we need to think it important. And Konania to the Lord is right after steadfast in doctrine and Konania. It's important. It's important. All right. So that, those are the, so that fellowship, Konania, and we got all kinds of stuff going on. As a matter of fact, next week when we have our 30th anniversary, if you can make it for lunch, even if you can just make it for lunch, it'll probably start about 1230. It's 10 bucks. Come Konania with us because we, we believers, you know, man, when I came back to the Lord and got filled with the Holy Ghost, I figure out y'all, y'all eat. Hallelujah. So uh, I had to work at it. Glory to God. But we're going to do it again. So that's important. But the last one I want to talk to you about before we go is the Spirit of God. Beginning of the year, I preached to you about 
Holy Ghost Church. That's who we are. There's still billboards everywhere. Some of my friends were like, you did what? Yep, all over. We are a Holy Ghost Church. Amen. And I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. Now, listen to me. You can't be a Holy Ghost Church if you're not first a word church. Because if you're a Holy Ghost Church without the word church, then you become a flaky church. And you become an unruly church and a chaotic church. And then sensible people should leave that church. So we're a word church. And the Bible says in Mark 16, 20, which is the scripture the Lord called me off of. He said, go preach my word everywhere. And I'll work with you confirming my word with signs following. And I didn't know him very well back then. But it is something we have contended for. It's something that we have fought for. It is so easy to go another direction. Because everybody itching ears don't want to see God and his manifest power. But um, I can't live without the manifest power of God. I can't live without the glory of God. I can't live without the presence of God. That is what changed my life. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says in uh, verse, uh, Acts 2, 1 through 4, and the day of Pentecost was fully come. They're in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. I'm looking forward to some more suddenlies in our near future. I'm looking for some more divine interruptions in our near future. I'm looking for God to manifest his Shekinah glory in our presence. I'm expecting. Paul said, I did not come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came with a demonstration of the power of God that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but it would only rest in the power of God. Hallelujah. We need the word of God, but we need to believe God for a demonstration. Lord, interrupt us. Lord, interrupt us. Lord, move in your word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He is so good. He is so good. And he wants to come and manifest himself. Why? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. For the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So wherever the spirit of the Lord is not in manifestation, they are not being able to be set free. The word of God will set you free. But initially, it's the spirit of the living God. Thank God Isaiah 10, 27 says, And the anointing shall destroy the yoke of bondage. I know personally, when I was a young man in my young uh, you know, mid early twenties, the spirit of God, the anointing of God came on me and he delivered me and he set me free. And I'm grateful for that. And I've continued in the word and I will continue to be free until I stand before the judgment seat of Christ and hear well done, good and faithful servant. But we all with a faith, open face, beholding the glass, the glory of the Lord. And we're changed into the same image from glory to glory. From glory to glory. We've seen some things around here, but I'm expecting to move up, to bump up to another level of glory. Come on. They were in their ankles. Then they were at their knees. And then they were at their waist. We may have been at the waist, but it's time to go a-swimming. Hallelujah. It's time for the rivers of God to come. Jesus said, out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. And he spake of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence speaking other tongues, we make that available every Sunday around here. we got people who know how to lay hands on you and help you receive that experience. We're so grateful. How do we do it? Well, every Sunday, we allow the Holy Ghost to move. Um, we allow, we, we're grateful for the manifestations. We believe in the nine manifestations of the Spirit. Um, we yield to him. 
Last time I looked, Jesus was the head of the church. And so if it's really the Holy Ghost, then he's come from instructions from the head of the church. Um, I'm not the boss around here. I may be the pastor, but I'm not the boss around here. Uh, Jesus is the boss around here. And so the Holy Ghost speaks, and we uh, do our very best to obey him. And so whatever that looks like. And then, you know, um, we have Bible Institute on Sunday nights, but the first Sunday night of every month is called Saturation. And we do that on purpose. I really did not want to get rid of my Sunday night services. I liked my Sunday night services uh, because we just could take our time, flow in the things of the Spirit. It was wonderful. But the Lord uh, gave us a way to bring them back once a month. And so you ought to be here. You ought to come and get saturated with the rest of us. And uh, we're so grateful um, for everything we do in combination is um, it's our DNA. It's, just, it's who we are. So it just seemed right for, to me that we look at it again. And um, I hope you're stirred up about it. And as we go into this next week, um, Pastor Rhonda is going to be preaching on Sunday morning. Robert's going to be preaching on Sunday night. Um, Monday night's going to be Pastor Belinda. Uh, Tuesday is going to be Raquel. Uh, Wednesday is going to be Laura. I'm going to do the day services. Uh, uh, um, Interestingly enough, we're going way back. Um, Well, Destiny is going to lead prayer worship on Monday, but I'm going to lead it on Tuesday and Wednesday. Jesus help us all. And um, really, it's funny to me. We're taking me way back to the roots. Some of you who are in the storefront and... uh, and partly in the A-frame I led for a little while until you were all delivered, until everyone was delivered. I say that jokingly, but I enjoyed doing it. I may not have always sang on key, but the glory came. <laughs> Pastor Rhonda used to joke with me. She said, you sing that song wrong every time the same way. I said, well, because I rewrote it in my heart, and so that is now the new way. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um presence of God is the utmost importance to us. So all those things that make up our DNA, we want you to be a part of. You have a place here. If we're called to be your pastor, you have a place here and help us go forward in this. Amen. Amen. Amen.